Thank you. Good morning. If you're admiring this beautiful necklace, I want you to know this is made by our very own August. She makes jewelry. So I'm I'm modeling this today. Um, She's going to have an Etsy shop up soon, but takes orders. And is some of it on your Instagram, August? I can't remember. Not yet. Not yet. So... That's, that's, that's where this came from. So if you're wanting to wear jewelry that's been worshipped over and prayed over, then August is that person. So um, I just, this went so beautifully with my green sweater today. Um, how are y'all? It's November. Wow. I cannot believe it is November. I, I'm so glad Halloween's over. Um, I just want all those little demons and goblin things to just, like, get packed away. I started playing Christmas music over the weekend just to be like, you know what, Lord, we're just going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And um, anyway, glad that's done. My kids are past all of that anyway, so I'm glad that um, they we didn't have to get in the mix of it. But if you're following our calendar, which we gave y'all at the beginning of the year, today's topic was Emmanuel journaling, but I'm going to switch topics on us simply because the Lord pretty much gave me a download about something last week that I wanted to share with you all this week. And I always think it's really important to stay with the Lord and what's fresh. And so I feel like this message is fresh. I feel like when I'm allowed to deliver a fresh message like this, or when I deliver a message, I really, someone asked me a while ago, are you a teacher? And I said, no, I'm, I'm definitely an equipper. Like my heart is for you to leave this place every single Wednesday equipped to take territory. That's my heart for you. So I don't know what that is in the Bible, but I'm an equipper. A teacher would be information and revelation, but I teach from revelation. And what comes with that is an impartation. And if you're not sure what an impartation is, it's actually an invitation to rise up and walk out in it. So it's my heart that you would rise up and walk out in it. Now, granted, some of you, this message may not apply, but this was so uh, applicable to my life last week. And I'm going to be vulnerable today because I think that transparency is sometimes the only way that we really... um, Equip other people so that they know, wow, okay, she's dealing with that. So then maybe that, that makes me, I'm not the only one. But I want to start in a story in Genesis 9.20. If, if you have your Bible, if you like to follow along in the Bible, that's where I'm going to start. And what's going to happen in Genesis 9.20 is we're going to meet up with Noah. This is past the ark. He's, he was obedient to God. He's been patient with the Lord. He stayed connected to the Lord. The, the flood has uh, receded. It's been a year and, what, ten days. He, him and his family, his three sons, are now farming the land. So I'm going to read what's going to happen, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders, then walked in backward and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father's exposure. I love this story because, one, you know, we really consider Noah sort of like the second family of the human race. And it's, it's setting the stage. It's very prophetic. One, our family systems are dysfunctional. They're broken. The flesh family systems are rough. And so here they are doing life together, 
Noah's drinking, and I don't know if he was exposed in the front or fell face down. I don't know. But Ham goes out and he's like, wow, y'all, dad's like, he's like drunk in there and like everything's hanging out. And it's just, you know, this is embarrassing for him. And the brothers, instead of going, oh my gosh, what an idiot. They just rise up and they choose to honor him and they take this garment. And y'all, when they say they walk in backwards, so uh, one of them has a garment on his shoulder, the other, and they literally walk in like this. They walk in the tent like this and they lay it over him. They never, ever lay eyes to expose him. And I think that's such a beautiful prophetic act of what God does for us. How he literally takes his glory and covers our past sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. He made him who was never exposed to be exposed on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God. He made him who knew no shame to be covered with shame on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God. See, God wants our past because he wants to cover it with his glory. And he says, look, I'm going to sow my seed right there. I'm going to sow my seed right there on my covering of your sin. And it will be the greatest restitution the world has ever known and will continue to know. But as we see with Noah, one of the most challenging aspects that we're going to walk through is relationships. What they are, what they're not, who they're with, who maybe they're not with, navigating through the wounds, being wounded. And this is definitely going to happen in our family systems. Unfortunately, we have our as parents, they do the best we can. Not everyone... uh, has access to walking out and wholeness right away. So our parents can wound us, our siblings, our aunts, our uncles, our cousins, it doesn't matter. And, and sometimes as we grow in Christ, not everyone is celebrating our freedom. Yeah. Not everyone in our family system are believers. Am I the only one that has non-believers in their family system? Yeah. So not everyone's like, wow, Ashley, that's awesome. Like you lead this ministry and you love Jesus and Yay for you. Not everyone's on board with that. And for me, personally, I have this extended family situation that's, that's been a continual challenge. It's been painful simply because the enemy is using someone unknowingly, a non-believer in my family, to right now sort of um, bring up the past. And I mean 20, 30 years ago, past stuff, past sin. And and exaggerate it and, and create untruths around it and sort of build this case up against me. And, and all that is, was really working last week to just make me feel bad about myself. And my reaction, y'all, is I want to jump in. I want to meet it head on. I want to work for word be like, and you know what? And you know what you did? I'm going to tell you what you did. I'm going to tell you what you were like. And uh-huh, I say that about me. This is about you right now. You want to get this? I'll, that's what I, and that's what I want to do. I am angry. I am irritated. And I, but I know, after years of being in ministry, if I do that, I'm going to blow up a bigger mess. Like, nothing, no fruit will come of that. It will be rotten and stinky and unfragrant at, at best. But, so I've learned, I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm angry. I'm irritated. I'm hurt. I, I feel shame. Even though I didn't do any, I feel the shame wanting to, like, attach itself to me. So I'm like, Lord, Lord, what do you... What do you have to say about this? Because I want to know. See, when I ask him, 
His truth brings strategy. And I can choose to ask him for strategy, or I can choose to lash back and partner with struggle and strife. That's the choice. See, the enemy, he seeks to discredit us. He wants us to move out of God's protection. I always have this vision that, um, you know, in Psalm 91, it says, you know, I cover you in the shadow of my wings, that, that we are covered in his shadow. But the enemy sort of taunts us with little things like this to see if we might step out, peer out, and then come out and be like, and get entangled in this, this word-for-word, hand-to-hand combat with him. And then what happens is we step out of God's protection and we start to sin because we take on the enemy by ourselves, and, and the enemy will flaunt our weakness to do this. Yeah. He loves to do that so that we're going to take our eyes off Jesus and we're going to lock eyes with the enemy. And it's how he engages us. That's how the enemy engages us. He wants to get us alone on the battlefield. You think of you know, David and Goliath. David wasn't alone on the battlefield. He knew the battle was the Lord's. He knew he stood there with an army of angels and that the battle belonged to the Lord. He was not engaging the enemy one-on-one. But the enemy wants to do that. So I stepped back and I said, okay, Lord, what, what do you have to say about this, this situation? And he said, Ashley, I cover your shame. And when he said those words, I immediately saw Jesus. And I saw Jesus with this mantle that he took off. And I could see the words and the accusations sort of dangling in the air. And I saw Jesus sort of unfold this mantle and throw it over the words and then just take it all to the ground. And as he took it to the ground with his covering, the words just dissolved and they completely dissipated. He completely dismantled it all with his mantle. And I was like, wow. And then all of a sudden that hook, that trigger in my heart that was wanting to lure me into this was dissolved. It was gone. Because I had a choice. I believed when Jesus showed me that, I'm like, that's what you're doing with that, Lord. That's, that's exactly what you're doing with this. The battle is yours. The enemy's going to use this to try to discredit me and disqualify me. But this is what he's doing. And when we choose to seek him and seek his opinion, then he gives us the strategy and he shows us what he's doing. See, if the enemy can shame you and use words like, well, you were this, so you can't do that, um, He's going to try to pull us off course. And if he can't destroy your destiny, he's going to disappoint you in your destiny. He's going to depress you in your destiny. He's going to discredit you in your destiny. See, if he can't destroy your destiny, he's going to try to disappoint you in it. He's going to try to discredit you. He's going to try to depress you. And he will overplay his hand every single time with shame. And let's, let's unpack what shame is, because I think shame is probably one of the most debilitating things that we deal with or contend with, and it's so easy to hide behind shame. It's so easy to put it aside and say, okay, well, you know, I've, I've dealt with anger, irritation, but that shame, it just seems like it's just not that easy to get off, okay? Um, shame really wants to own us. It's much more than a feeling. It wants to own you. It is, it's like a false identity. <coughs> And it sounds like this, I'm the mess, I'm the problem, I'm bad, I'm contaminated, I sin so I deserve to be punished. It reminds me sort of, um, I don't know if y'all ever had uh, Gorilla Glue, y'all ever seen that? It's like a really hard bonding, I remember our youngest loved to glue things together. 
And if you got a hold of that Gorilla Glue and it got on your skin, it was like cement. And you would have to almost take a nail file to grind it off. Like once it hardened, it was hardened. And I feel like that's exactly what shame is like in the spirit. It, it hardens over us. It creates sort of this false armor, this barrier over us that we are, um, we almost don't even know that we're living with it anymore until someone speaks about it. Because in our culture, you know, we're so uh, intent on qualifications and resume and records and you know, do you do this, this, and that, that we don't realize in the spirit world that's not how God moves. He qualifies us. He makes us fully able to stand and equip others. He, he cleanses us. So we take shame on, y'all, simply because we're going to pick it up. We pick it up unknowingly from our past mistakes. That's one way it comes to us. The other way is abuse. When we've suffered abuse at the hands of another, shame attaches itself to us. We feel ashamed. We, uh, the other way it comes down, uh, it gets passed down through family members. I mean, how many of y'all heard, shame on you? Shame on you. And I was like thinking about that. I'm like, wow, shame on you, like putting something on you. Shame on you. Well, you did that, shame on you. I mean, growing up in, and I don't know if young moms today probably don't say it because we just have more knowledge about things like that. But when I was growing up, it was like, shame on you. You're like, hey, shame, shame's on me. It's on me. That's right. Here it is. You know, because of these broken family systems, and so if our mom or dad was shamed, they don't realize they're passing that down, y'all. And and here's one thing about our parents that I really do. um, I really truly believe that our parents do the best they can. And it really does not make any sense now, especially as Christians, especially as women sitting in front, to stay wounded with parental wounds, like, let's get healed. You know, you don't have a right to stay wounded. You have a right to get healed. Yeah. And, and, and God wants that restoration. Our parents are not perfect. And when I see people struggling with those, um, those parent wounds, which are so real, I'm like, let's get inner healing. Because the freedom that's behind that is huge. Um, when shame comes on us and it creates that barrier, it really uh, disrupts our ability to be connected, not only to other people, but to the Lord. Like, it just creates this immediate barrier of, barrier of connection to God. And it really hinders our creativity. Like, if that's one of the things that you've been struggling with, is like, you know, I, I feel creative, but I, I, just, I just can't seem to tap into it. I might be curious, is there shame somewhere? Because it hinders our creativity because we don't have the ability to trust that there's beauty inside of us. We don't have the ability to trust that we have a creative expression. And we don't, we don't trust that creative expression. Because we think, well, if I'm a mess, then that creative expression is probably a mess. Or if I'm bad, then that creative expression is probably bad. And, and it all, it just, it just, we just don't go there. And we're just like, well, I'm just not creative. No, you are. You were created to create. You're made in his image. He is our creator, which means all of you are creative. It's not all going to look the same, but all of you are creative. A couple of weeks ago, my daughter who's in college, she called me and we were just chatting about uh, just, you know, the freshman, she's a freshman, just the struggles of unpacking college life, the choices. And, and, you know, I was like, well, you really need to learn how to exercise that muscle of no, you know, kind of just trying to maybe throw that one out there. And, 
you know, sit back and kind of listen. And then she started unpacking something a little bit deeper than that. And, and, and I said, well, you know, Georgia, I said, really, here's my advice. But at the same time, I would really seek the Lord about that. I would really go back and ask him to show, you know, the verses that he's shown you all along. You know, go back and read those again. And she goes, Mom, I just, I feel so bad about myself because, like, I haven't really connected with God since school started. I've been busy, and I've made choices to do other things, and I just, I just feel like there, I just, I feel like there's just this wall. And I said, Georgia, shame has a name, and it's not yours. That's good. Your name is not shame. Shame has a name, and it is not yours. And that goes for all of us. I don't care what your past looks like or didn't look like or your yesterday looked like. He paid for it. And shame has a name, and it's shame. It's not yours. And I was like, Georgia, God is right there. It it doesn't matter if a year's gone by, if a week's gone by. You run to him and let him love you. Psalm 34.4 says, and this is kind of going to be our, one of our key verses for today, if you want to turn to that. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. This is Psalm 34.4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. <coughs> if I were you, I might underline the word, I sought, because there's an action there. Meaning you have a part to play, which is, I'm seeking the Lord. God, I'm seeking your opinion. I sought the Lord. And what does he do? He answers us all the time. He answers us in pictures. Maybe it's a feeling. Maybe it's a word you get. Maybe it's a friend sending you a scripture. He is answering you all the time. Believe it. If it says it in the Bible, believe it. He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. That does not say he delivered and immediately the whole situation was changed around and everything made perfect. And now, amen, bless us, everything's perfect. It means he delivers you from the fear, the anxiety, the stress, the shame, the pain, the guilt, whatever it is. He will deliver you when you seek him. And those who look to him are radiant, meaning we keep our eyes on him. And their faces are never covered with shame. Shame is a mask. And when we look to Jesus, that mask is gone because we are, are radiant And we are never covered with shame. See, the key to conquering evil, the key to destroying shame, the the way to discredit the enemy is to stay in constant union with God. The enemy wants to separate us from God because he is forever separated. And if he can do that with shame, then we're going to believe it and we're going to think, well, there's this wall there and I can't really go there with God. God knows everything, y'all. Nothing surprises him. Nothing surprises him. I've sat down with many countless people for inner healing or prayer, and they're like, well, I, I just, I don't know if I can say this. I'm like, I'm going to tell you something. One, I probably have heard it. And I said, two, it doesn't surprise him, and it doesn't discredit you from being in a relationship with him. The enemy is terrified of your devotion to stay connected to God. He is terrified of your devotion to stay connected to God. It's not about your perfection in in your relationship with God. It's the fact that God, no matter what is going on in my life, no matter what I choose to do or choose not to do, I will remain devoted to you. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and um, they were talking to me about how, no, I just don't feel like reading my Bible. I just don't. um, It's not someone that comes here, someone I know just in a different 
way. And, and they were talking about, you know, our relationship, my marriage is just, bleh, and I don't feel like seeking the Lord. I'm like, that's not you. That's not you saying that. Let's just get that straight right now. It's not, you're not the one that doesn't want to stay connected to God. That's something else. I was like, you need to turn your worship music on. You need to say, you know what, I'm going to read this whether it sinks in or not. That's God's job to seed his, to sow his seed that I'm putting in me. God, okay, I'm just going to do this even when I don't even feel like my heart's in it. That's devotion. Y'all, I don't know about you, but every morning I wake up. So my routine is, you know, I have my quiet time for about two hours. I get up at five, have my quiet time with the Lord. Then I go and I um, make Richard's lunch. I get, you know, my husband wants a breakfast shake, so I'm doing all this stuff. And I will tell you, I don't really enjoy that part of it, but it's just this, I'm dedicated to it. I'm dedicated to waking up my family with a smile on my face. I'm dedicated to making sure that, you know, Carl gets his breakfast shake, thanks to Alicia, who told him he needed to drink. Alicia, <laughs> yeah. tell him he needed to drink this every morning, making sure he's got that going for him, making sure Richard has a lunch, you know, and sometimes Richard's grumpy, and sometimes Carl's grumpy, but it's my devotion to stay connected to set an atmosphere that matters to me. I'm not doing it because I need them to do something for me. Now, it's my devotion and my connection to God that will always qualify me. It doesn't mean I am perfect, I am not perfect, but this is what terrifies the enemy. When he cannot create that little crack in that connection with you and the Lord, you become unstoppable. That doesn't mean you don't get disappointed, it doesn't mean that you don't hurt. You know, it's funny, as believers, our past that we've acknowledged and surrendered and handed to God, it cannot shame us, disqualify us, or discredit us. As believers... Our past that we've acknowledged and surrendered to the Lord, like that doesn't have any weight in our life anymore. And if you are here today, you maybe think as an adult, I maybe never really accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Then when we have prayer team up here, come do that. Because sometimes we think, well, you know, I was confirmed in the sixth grade. Or, you know, I went to BBS in junior school. But after 18, like you have a different voice in the spirit. And you need to actively receive Jesus Christ as as your Lord and Savior. You don't need to. You can't. It's a choice. And as believers, the beauty is our past is completely surrendered to him. And it doesn't even matter. And all the enemy has, if you think about it, is our past because he's a has-been. And all he can do is try to dig around in the graveyard of our past to see if he can taunt us into engaging him. But when we stay devoted to God, we know that King Jesus stands up and he says... I am your banner. I am your covering. I paid for it. I paid for yesterday, and I will be exposed on the cross, and you will never be exposed again. And when I mean exposed on the cross, y'all, he did not have on a loincloth. We see that in the pictures. He didn't. He was exposed. He was unrecognizable. His skin was falling off. His beard was ripped. He was exposed. So that we would forever enjoy the covering of our Lord. That's who Jesus is. And when he says, I am your banner. This is powerful. A couple of years ago, I was teaching on the Lord is my banner. And I was asking God, what, what does that look like? And Because I was thinking, you know, when I think of banner, I think of something up high. I think of like, you know, 
when I was sitting at the A&M game and Mississippi State kept winning and they would run their banner over the, the end zone and I was just like, this is horrible, quit with the banner, you know, quit. But that's what I think of a banner. And what it really, what the Lord so, showed me, Jesus showed me a picture of a woman who was completely exposed, raw, vulnerable, and he came behind her with his mantle and just wrapped it around her. And he said, I am your banner. I'm your covering. That's what that word means. I'm your covering. And what was so fascinating to me in the picture last week when, I, when he was showing me about the words and how they had fallen to the ground, and, and, I, and he said to me, he said, Ashley, I cover this, I cover your shame with my inheritance. And I was like, wow, well, Jesus, what, let's think about that. Jesus, what is your inheritance? And he saw all authority on heaven and earth. And I began to say, okay, wow, what does that look like? He says, that means I determine what is allowed to stay and what is to go. I determine what has influence. I determine what grows and what gets uprooted. I determine what is released to have reach. I determine what flourishes and what fades. That's what authority in Jesus looks like. He's the one that has the influence to determine whether those words will take root or not. When I give them to him, when I stay in his covering and let him deal with it, he's the one that will determine what flourishes, what fades. He will determine what will have reach, what will be released in the atmosphere to have reach. He will determine what's forgiven and what's not. And he says, all things are forgiven. All things. You've laid it at my feet. Turn and focus on me. Jesus is the determining factor, y'all. In our culture, we would say he's the X factor. He's the exceptional variable that changes everything. He's the determining factor. It's not us. It's not our president. It's not our age. It's not our past. It's not our circumstances. He is the determining factor. And we, we get to hang on to that. We get to know that and not only steward that for ourselves as believers, but we get to steward that for people that are non-believers. Which really means it's a place of honoring them. When, when I think of honor, what it really means is we're saving a seat in the kingdom for them. We get to steward that knowledge of knowing that Jesus is the determining factor, that all our sins are forgiven. And we're going to save a seat in the kingdom for those that don't know. Because that's what it looks like to walk in freedom. You know, our culture does want to, want to qualify us, like I said, with... Um, our record, our resume, but you know, by his stripes we're healed. By his blood we are cleansed. In the natural we say, well, you know, your past is going to determine your direction, your history, right, your future, and that's not the case. With the kingdom flow of business, it has nothing to do with our resume and our record. It's his banner, his wraparound banner that covers us in all of our exposed places. And it's such a powerful place when we can stand exposed And allow him to do that. And the way that we do that is standing exposed in worship. See, we wait on the Lord in worship. The battle belongs to the Lord. So our position, our posture is worship. Some looking like what we did today are just saying, I love you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. It doesn't always have to be this explosive musical uh, outlet. Worship is just saying, Jesus, I love you and I trust you. I trust that you are handling this. I trust that you are taking care of this. And I do not have to go and backlash at this and meet these words where they are. You're going to deal with it. 
Position yourself in praise, and he will extinguish the darts. You know, I think a lot about um, when Mary became pregnant. And we don't have a lot of commentary in the Bible, but what I imagine happening is her parents going, how could you do this? Look at the shame you've brought on our family. How could you do this? I'm sure her dad was probably running back and forth to the temple trying to offer, you know, sacrifices. Her mother probably going, look, your dad, I mean, we're, we're ruined. Like, you've ruined our family. You have ruined our family. And Joseph's like, oof, you, you're, you're a mistake. And I don't want anything to do with you. And I'm just, I'm going to let you off easy because that's just the kind of person I am. But, but this shame is much bigger than we are. And I, I, I can't. And what we don't see is we don't see Mary running around town going, look, everybody listen to this. We don't see her doing that. She has one friend, Elizabeth. She has one friend. And the whole thing, she has one friend who believes her and knows. And that friend does not even live near her. And that friend is not available on text. She cannot text her and say, pray for me. The whole town's against me and everyone is calling me names. She can't do it. She can't post something on social media and be like, y'all, here's the real story. She has no way. And so her posture is just positioning herself in praise to the Lord and waiting in worship. Things sometimes do not turn around like that. I know we love the quick miracles. I love that. But things sometimes take time. And, and our place and our position is to wait in worship. So good. Bless those that persecute you. I know you know this verse. Romans 12, 14. Bless those that persecute you and bless and don't curse. What I want to say about this verse is that this is not just good advice. This is a spiritual principle. This is a kingdom key. This is how you bring heaven to earth. When we say, well, God, we need a miracle. This is how you do it. Right here. This is how you do it. You're going to bless those that persecute you. And you are not going to curse them. What does cursing look like? Let's start there because then I'm going to unpack how we, how we do the blessing. Let's say that I have an argument with my husband. And I'm going to have lunch with a girlfriend. And I'm like, you're not going to believe what my husband did. He was just such a jackass. I mean, he did this, this, and this. And then I just start telling. And I start building this case. And I start sharing this with her. That's cursing someone. And then maybe my mom calls later. And I'm like, well, and this happened. And he did this. And he did that. That's cursing someone. That is not blessing someone. I'm building a case. It's gossip, y'all. It's slander. And this is why the power of life and death is in our tongue. Blessing looks like this. It's forgiveness attached to blessing. And I'm going to walk you through forgiveness in just a second. But that's how you bless someone. People are going to wound us. That is a given. That's going to happen to all of us. There's no one in this room that will escape that. So why not get equipped so that we really can walk in this promise of blessing those that persecute us? And it looks like this. One of the things that I say, first of all, when I'm really, like, I don't know what to say about someone, I'm just like, Lord, I just bless them to know the identity in you. I bless them with your extravagant love. Like, your love, just let it pour over them. Let them come to know what a cherished person and adored daughter or son they are. I, I really do start there because I don't need to be specific, but I just start blessing and blessing their spirit man. But the bigger piece of this is forgiveness. And forgiveness... Um, could probably be a whole day's lesson, but I want to sort of walk you through the way that we do it here at Christ Healing Center through inner healing. What forgiveness is not is not always reconciliation. 
Forgiveness is not that what happened was okay. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not God looking at the situation and saying, well, you're just going to have to deal with it. That's not what forgiveness looks like. Forgiveness is a divine transaction. It is a transaction that you are going to make because Jesus is going to want to pay their debt with his blood. So what happens is when someone wounds me, they owe me something. They owe me something. An apology, you know, like when we're little, we make our kids have an apology, and it's just not, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't always, not transformational, let's be honest. Um, it's a divine transaction which says, you owe me something, but I realize you're never going to be able to pay me back in this lifetime. Never. I, I was married before Carl, and my, my first husband had an affair. He can never pay me back in this lifetime. Ever. So I have a choice to hold him accountable for that account, or I can give it to Jesus. So Jesus, how we walk through it is we say, Jesus, let's take an account of what's really owed to me by this person. And you just start listing it off. Well, he, he owed me honesty. He owed me faithfulness, loyalty. He owed me words of affirmation. He owed me tell, you know, making me feel beautiful and making me feel like I was wanted or a woman. Whatever it is, you let Jesus make that list with you. And then Jesus says, Ashley, is what I did on the cross enough to pay their debt? Will you accept my blood as payment for their debt? And when you say yes, because it is a choice, then he says, all right. And then I'll walk you through what that sounds like because we're going to do that at the end of this. Because that's how you then are able to forgive them and release them and bless them. And the beautiful thing about this, you're going to have the opportunity most likely to practice this today when you leave here. <laughs> right? We have lots of opportunities in the kingdom. And um, often they start at our home. So this is what's great about today is that you're going to leave equipped knowing that, wow, you know, I can look at this thing with my extended family as a problem or as an opportunity. And if I want a miracle, then I need to really practice blessing those that are persecuting me and not cursing them. I need to know that is a kingdom key. That is how I am going to bring heaven on earth. That is how I am going to win that person over to Jesus is by blessing them. It's not ignoring what's happening. It's fully watching the Lord take care of that. So if you have paper, you don't have to write the forgiveness part down. But what we're going to do is we're going to walk through that. I'm going to lead you through that. And you can write it down, but you don't have to. And this is the other thing we say about forgiveness. You don't need to forget, but you benefit greatly from forgiving. And Jesus will show you who you'll benefit from forgiving. So if you're willing, if you're willing to do this with me, let's ask him, Jesus, who would I benefit from forgiving? It might be a person. It might be yourself. It might be God. It might be a group of people. It doesn't matter. Just the first person that came to your mind. So now what I'd like you to, to know is Jesus would like to know, would you be willing to take an account, would you be willing to make a list with him of what you feel this person really owes you? If, if you are, nod your head if you're with me. Yes? Okay. So I want you to say this, Jesus, let's take an account of what this person really owes me. And just spend some time, a minute or two, doing that.
After you've made your list, Jesus wants to know, are you willing to accept his blood as payment for their debt? Is what he did on the cross enough to pay their debt? And if your answer is yes, then I want you to repeat after me. Because here's where the divine transaction takes place. And I, and I want you all to get used to saying it out loud. Because there is when you speak out loud, it engages all of your senses. Versus when we keep things up in our mind, we can get sidetracked. And when we speak it out loud, we're speaking it out into an atmosphere. Our words create worlds. So we want to speak this out loud. So we're going to say, Jesus, Jesus, I accept your blood blood as payment payment for this person's debt. debt. I release this person to you. you. They no longer owe me. me. Wash your blood. Through all these circumstances, through all these things done and not done, through all these things said and not said, wash me and cleanse me from all that unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. And then we kind of check, does it feel complete? And the good news is, if you want to do more, you can ask him again to go through it again. And this will be on the podcast, so you can listen to it again, and if you want to write down the prayer. But I want to ask Jesus one more thing for you. I want you to ask him, Jesus, what do you want to bless me with right now? Let him show you. It might be a word, a feeling, a picture. Just ask him, Jesus, what do you want to bless me with? And then I want you to write that down, what he's showing you, what he wants to bless you with. And then I want us to actively receive that. Because it's one thing to see it, but then we need to give his blessings permission to manifest in our lives. So then we say, Jesus, repeat after me, Jesus, thank you for this blessing. I give your blessing full permission to manifest in my life now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you wanted to go a step further, you could even ask Jesus, now give me words to bless this person. You can ask him for that too, and and he will do that. I want to pray for us. I'm I'm kind of uh, wrapping up. But um, if you want prayer, I'm here. Deborah's here. Casey, are you able to pray? Casey's here. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, we'll be up here in the front. And I always want to encourage you all to come for prayer. And then, um, as you all may or may not know, at noon, here in the sanctuary, we have what's called soaking prayer from noon to one, where you can just sit, and we have prayer ministers that walk around quietly to pray with you. So if you just want to sit and soak and take in more, and maybe you want a little more prayer, please feel free to do that as well. Father God, I thank you that you completely cleanse us today. That shame no longer has a voice. That our past is paid for and it is yours. I thank you, Jesus, that you cover us with your inheritance, which is all the authority on heaven and on earth. And right now, I cast down every wrong, negative word being said about us. I ask you to cleanse our own mouths and our own hearts, Father God, that you would right now teach us how to immediately walk into blessing, that that would just be our default, 
that when things come against us, we would know exactly, I know how to do this. I'm going to bless. That that would just be that new mindset that has begun to take over today, Father God. And I thank you that we can stand before you and lay it all out on your altar. And that your love just pours out more and more and more and more over each of us. So we ask that love to be extended into our family, into our homes, into our relationships, into our workplace, into everywhere we go. I thank you that your word says that every place that our footsteps you will give us. So Lord, I just thank you that today is a day of payback. What the enemy has stole, you are making him pay back right now. I thank you that this is a day where territory is being taken. And I thank you, Father God, that blessings are ours for the taking every single moment of the day. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We will see y'all next week. Enjoy your day.